What's up, folks? Another week, another edition. God, it sounds good to be able to say that. Of Matt Sports House, I'm your host, Matthew Anderson. Long sorry, my partner in crime, Thomas. Thomas, how you doing, man? Good, man. Good. Glad, glad uh, football is back. Yeah, y'all, we completed week one. with I, knew, I know y'all, This we're actually kind of late with this one. Like, we're almost uh, damn near going into the next week. But that's okay. We're giving you something a little different. Everybody gave you the fireworks at the beginning of the week about what happened. We're kind of giving you, like, we've sat and watched all of that. And we're giving you our overview. And then almost kind of push you into next week. Uh, without further ado, welcome to the Sports House. too much time do not want to waste too much time y'all i guess i can tell you thomas you know, let me tell you something y'all we and this is from now until the end of the year probably until uh deon sanders leaves colorado the <laughs> first thing we will talk about will be the buffs <laughs> let me tell y'all something that yo because i've been i don't know thomas you've been watching it obviously you can say your perspective in a second i've been watching those vlogs for so long, I feel like I know these receivers. Like, this is not like a thing where it's like, oh, this is a new team. Who are these guys? It's like whenever Weaver catches the ball, come on, Weaver. Come on, show me what USF taught you. Yeah. Or drop a ball is like Jimmy. Yeah, <laughs> don't, Jimmy, don't do that to me. You're supposed to be DJ. And, you know, we've been watching Shador Sanders since uh, – what, what was that show that used to be on Oprah Winfrey Network? Um, It was – I know it's like the place was like Truth Academy or something, but I can't remember the name of the show. Yeah, so we were we feel like you've been watching Shador. Like I remember, I was watching. You know, I watched the press game conference. I watch everything. I remember Dion's like, yeah, you know, Shador really knows offenses and defenses because remember he's like, I used to teach him defense. I'm like, I remember him as a kid playing safety. So yeah. now do I vid like be like, okay, I hear him saying that. I remember watching him play safety. So it's crazy to see. Uh, I guess we go ahead and start talking about Colorado first. Like I said, if listen to me, y'all. If you're not a Colorado fan, if you don't like, I don't care if you're not a fan. If you don't like hearing about them, this show ain't for you. It's, it's just not. It goes. It goes to. There's a hundred thousand podcasts out there. <laughs> but this one, we gonna get to Carolina and Clemson and all the other hometown teams. But consider this this podcast being recorded in Boulder. Now moving forward. Well, anyway, gotta go ahead and open it up, <laughs> Thomas. We saw it. A Colorado bus were able to get the win with a final score of forty-five to forty-two. Versus TCU on Saturday, I was glued to the TV. That was I was I was well, I don't want to say well, I was yeah I was, I was late to work. I, was, I could not miss any of this game. I think that hour and a half and figure it out on the back end. I did not want to miss that game at all, Thomas. Before I give my page of notes, what were your thoughts <laughs> on the uh, Colorado game? Man, I I can't even you know I'm not even gonna lie and come out and that like you know I just seen it coming or predicting on the win or anything like that, because I did not in the slightest bit. I think, and even in my uh, prediction on, on the show last week, I think I predicted TCU to win. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I was wrong on that. But, yeah, man, I was I was surprised. Um, you know, my, my biggest, like, 
concerns with Colorado going in was just about how everything was just so new. Um, you know, it's, you know, just a completely new team. You know, they never played, um, you know, in a, in a Division One game together as, you know, as, as a complete unit. So I just didn't know how all that was going to go. Um, I think, you know, I, I said my biggest concern was just like when adversity hits, you know, how is Colorado going to answer? I thought that's kind of where TCU, um, you know, would have had the upper hand against him. But it was almost like the complete opposite. Like Colorado just just handled everything that came at him perfectly. Um, I mean, I was I was surprised at just how, how well, you know, they played on the stage that big. Um, you know, and, and kind of looking back, I guess I can say I'm, I'm not really surprised. Just, you know, like you said, just going back, knowing how long we've been watching Shador and all them and, and, and kind of knowing how, you know, how he's wired. Um, you know, I probably should have, you know, expected, you know, for them, for them to come out uh, firing like that, just being led by him. But, man, bro, I was surprised. Like, that offense was, was moving fluid. Um, I think we kind of all got what we expected. And, you know, as far as the trenches go, we kind of knew he would be a little light in the trenches the first year. Um, but we knew, you know, he was stacked out there uh, at the skill position. Um, but still, man, like I, I, I just can't say enough about like how much that offense just blew me away. Like, like that was crazy. I mean, you know, we've been keeping up, you know, especially you, like you said, you know, I know you've been keeping up a lot better than me. You know, I, I've still been, uh, um, you know, catching, catching the vlogs and stuff, the offseason vlogs whenever I could. But you would keep me updated with all the receivers and stuff. You put me on uh, to, to Jimmy Horn, you know, during the summer, probably during the spring, I think when you first told me about Jimmy Horn. Um, but, yeah, I mean, to come out and have four receivers go over 100 yards, uh, Shador passed for 500. Um, I mean, yeah, it was it, it was crazy. Just, the, yeah, I was surprised. That's, you know, you asked for my reaction. That, that's all I can say. I, I was just shocked, um, you know, that they performed that well, you know, on, on that big of a stage, you know, in the first game of the season. Man, let me tell you something. First of all, when you speak of the offense, it's like the thing is, and we, as we know, now we're at the trenches are very important. You got to protect the quarterback. Got to be able to run the ball. But the offense is like that's what kind of sells tickets. Yeah. It was like, and you're watching like a basically an all black squad, like from black quarterback to the black receivers. Like you're not like you know, ain't no wrong with white boy back there throwing the ball around. But it's like these dual threat. But he prefers to stay in the pocket. Being Shador Sanders, yeah. I have to give y'all the stats. Like Thomas said, he went a 38-47 for 510 yards and four touchdowns. And honestly, it looked like as it was going at first, like you know how they say uh, the offense coordinator has his list of the plays. The first couple plays he's gonna call. Yeah. So he like walk through them before the games. All right, this this is what we're doing, or at least that we can practice. It was like everything was working. Yeah. And I'm not gonna lie to you. No, we're gonna go down. I'm gonna go down each receiver. We're gonna go down each receiver. Y'all tell y'all this is Colorado Buff Show. We just gonna talk about everybody. Else. <laughs> That's the occasion. So you talk about these receivers. So you got uh, so obviously Travis Hunter playing both sides of the ball, which was incredible. Uh, catching, we had 11 receptions, 119 yards, and going and had a couple passes that could have had to give him a couple more touchdowns. It is just crazy for me. Like for example, on that fourth down. It's like Shador, and this you have to say this kind of comes from them two playing with each other for so long because it was kind of like what they did in the uh, celebration ball. It's like fourth down, throw it to Travis. Yeah, just throw it, and Travis makes an outstanding play. You had the one in the back and end, so I think they got called back, and it's just like he just kept making plays. He played, I think, almost every defensive snap, a lot of the key offensive snaps. Yeah, you know, it was 106 degrees on the field. It was like, like I said, when I when I first heard full disclosure, when I first heard Deion Sanders be like, he's him, the Heisman chin at his crib. I'm like, Deion. 
they say that at halftime. Like, I win the game. Like, I, I believe, but we might not win the game. And that's like a heavy thing. Then he just he balls out Thomas. That interception. Yeah. The run, everybody thought Joel Clad set on the broadcast. He thought, you know, easy toss to the running back. He runs to the end zone, does a celebration, probably jumps into the offensive line of the hands. Yeah. And when Travis picks that. It's like, oh, this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Skins playing on a whole nother level. So major shout out to Travis Hunter. And now you see, I think somebody said like they're up 20,000 uh, viewers on the vlogs now. And remember at those practices, Dion has the players last, I mean, the, the Instagrams. Yeah, yeah. So you see it at work now. Everybody's yeah. like, wait a minute, Travis, he's promoted Travis. Now Travis has played on the big stage. I was just looking at the ratings. The ratings were the second highest behind the LSU Florida State game. Mm. So it's like now, it's like, okay, this guy is. Now we're having a discussion of Heisman starting the year. Yeah. As opposed to, like I said, we're going down every player. It is what it is. Xavier Weaver. They were like, I forgot what it was, but I think Jimmy even said he's fast, but Xavier might be faster, but it was something. Xavier's receiver number uh, 10 with the dreads, in case y'all don't know. He had six receptions for 118 yards. He's got averaging like at least 10 yards per catch. One thing I noticed with Weaver and Jimmy Horn, Jimmy Horn is the one I was kind of looking at more, number five, who had 11 receptions, 117 yards. One thing I noticed about Jimmy, Jimmy seems like he's going to be the consistent guy. Yeah. Like, I was expecting Jimmy to make the play and then go turn about 60 yards. Probably more so like how Dylan Edwards is. Right. But Jimmy's just the guy that's going to catch the 10-yard pass here. I mean, catch the 15-yard pass here. But one thing you also notice with those guys, uh, there was a play when Travis Hunter was at Jackson State where he, like, took a step up and backed up and the defender just fell. Yeah. One thing I noticed is all those receivers can do that. Because yeah. I saw Weaver and Jimmy Horn do it. It's like they, they're just real agile, real quick receivers. And they're yeah. not the biggest guys. They're kind of skinny. But these guys can move. One thing I did want to mention, though, you know, did, okay, let me ask you, Thomas. Do you watch the vlogs like that or you watch them sometimes or where are you kind of with those? Yeah, I, I watch them sometimes. And I, like I said, not, I got to do, you know, I got to I gotta catch up with you. With, with, um, I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure I watch them more than the in the average, you know, college football <laughs> Okay, reason I ask you is there's another receiver that we we saw out there on the field, but he didn't have the impact the rest of them did, Javon Antonio. He's the big one. I think he's from Louisiana. He's 6'4", 220 pounds. He's mm-hmm. just a real big guy. A lot of times you catch him on the highlights of practices, making like the one-handed catch. Yeah. And I saw him out there, but he just didn't get as much uh, – he didn't get as many catches. Yeah. And now I'm assuming with the explosion that these defense coordinators have seen, at least from the first game, they got a lot of answers. to like, you got a quarterback that can dissect the offense. You got running backs that can catch the ball at the backfield. Yeah. Deion says they're going to work on that run game. And so, you know, they probably put heavy emphasis on it. It's like, so he might be the one receiver where you might still have, like, they don't know enough about. So he could still potentially be dominant. Because now, granted, they have a lot of receivers. So it's going to be really hard for you to, like, kind of guard all of them. But Nonetheless, it's like now you feel like, okay, we got one game of film. We know what we're looking at. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, man, what? Man, I was excited. I was watching it. I couldn't look away. Not one second. Dylan Edwards. Remember, yeah. he was like one of the first players to commit to D- – do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I think um I was talking with uh Rayshon after the game or during after. I can't remember when he made the point. I think on the broadcast he might have made the point that I think he was a part of um, like Dion's, you know, little academy where you know where he had the the young 
um, I don't know what they call it, Pop Warner, like what, you know, league they were in. But that youth football league he had, I think, like, he's played with them since then. So I think he was, like, always kind of on his radar. So I think that's why he was, like, an early commit. I think he transferred from, from another school, though. But, yeah, I think that's why he was, like, one of the earlier commits. Yeah, because he was – I remember they were saying he's one of the fastest players, and then he committed, like, right along – I think right before, like, Jimmy did. But yeah. that was an amazing game for him. I think he had four touchdowns. Imagine being – I think – no, I think he's a true freshman. Can you imagine being a true freshman on this stage and you can't play you four touchdowns? And what I was telling Thomas before the show is – and, y'all, because, like I said, I'm all the way into it. I listen to the press game conference. I was post-game conference. I'm, I'm listening to the – I'm listening to the wide receivers coach. Yeah. We're all yeah. offensive coordinator. Yeah. Wide receivers coach. A guy named Alt, Alton McCaskill, he's transferring. He transferred from Houston. I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be number one bad. He was just hurt. He had almost 900 yards rushing last season. Was like the AAC. I want to, I want to get this incorrect. Uh, athletic. What is AAC? What is that? Athletic? Yeah, I'm American Athletic Conference. There you go. There you go. Tell me about the analyst here, Tom Simway. <laughs> you know, I feel like we're on the radio. Analyst Tom Simway is trying. <laughs> but uh. True freshman last year, 189 yards, 189 rushes for 961 yards and 16 touchdowns. And he's coming from Houston. Uh, 29 explosive plays of 10 yards plus. Led the Cougars in scoring 108 points with second in all-purpose yards, over 1,000 yards. So that And that's just one thing I kind of want to hit on with this Colorado team. There's more of them. First of all, they're recruiting. You hear Deion say it. He's like, we gotta get, we gotta do better in our defensive line because otherwise Nebraska's gonna try to run us down the field. But it's like they're gonna see the needs for this season. People are gonna see the attention that they're getting. Guys are gonna want to come if no other reason. They just see the attention. So that's in the works. You also have the transfer portal, but you have guys like this guy who didn't even play this game because the injury. Deion's like he really wants to get out there, but right now he's just gonna make sure he's hundred percent. And then you have, and I just want to make sure, Cormani, right? Yeah, they're talking about DB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kermani McLean, who's the five star, where everybody was up over years about whatever he committed to Colorado, and I had been noticing ahead of time. I was like, "This is interesting," because I, I was like, "I don't know," because I watched the vlogs, like I said, and I saw that Dion was just having to talk to him a little bit, like, "Hey, yo, don't forget to do this, don't forget to do this," and people forget. As good as a five star is. There are other guys on this roster that have came here and left schools. The guy who started in front of him was Amarion Cooper. He came from Florida State. So he's already so he's already had a year in the college football system, the weightlifting, studying the film. He's already had a year in that. So he came in and he just got the job. And nothing wrong with that. I think sometimes fans have to understand guys do still have to develop. Believe yeah. it or not. Believe it or not, with the transfer portal, because I saw Miami fans like, wow, Kamani. Wow, you decided to go to uh, Colorado State of starting in Miami, but it's like just for a second. Let's yeah. think. It might be okay that he develops this year, or not a whole year, maybe just or maybe play some special teams. Right. Uh, uh, Trayvon Mullen did that at Clemson. He played special teams his freshman year. Sophomore junior had a dynamic campaign, ended up being a first round or like an early second round draft pick to the Raiders. But did want to mention that so you guys might not see him right away. I think Dion did say some corners got kind of banged up there, but he might be developing. Dion, trust if anybody knows when he's ready, he'll be ready. Another thing I picked up on the vlog, I know y'all was spending a lot at y'all, but dude, I'm very proud. I mean, I ain't gonna lie to y'all. I've been waiting on this for a minute. I told you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Tom's been trying to get this scheduling conflicts, which is making it seem like we're busy. Scheduling conflicts. <laughs> <laughs> what is we doing? <laughs> we weren't able to get this one ready, but I listened to Dion say. 
he told uh, running back Edwards. Yeah, Ed Dylan Edwards. He told Dylan and Travis, like, I don't even want to see y'all practice until Wednesday. Because he's this, the amount of production y'all have done this past week, you might need to recover. You know, they probably have good sports science out there in Colorado. But another thing was, I noticed in the vlog, it was like Wednesday or Thursday, and Travis Hunter had no pads on. He was just like out there, like throwing the ball like he was an assistant coach. Yeah. And I was like, it installed? Like, <laughs> I, was, I was highly confused because I'm like, this guy is going to play offense and defense, and he's not out there. I didn't understand Dion already had a plan set out for him to go ahead and get his reps early in the week so he could rest up. They knew what they had going. Uh, y'all, so I, let me let me see if I have anything else in my notes because I bow to y'all. This is like, if y'all don't know, I broadcast the uh, Camden High School games on Friday nights. Th- this is Camden High School. I need to know. <laughs> I need to know everything about it. And I want the fans, because I expect you all to – I hope that you all believe this is a little propaganda, I guess. <laughs> I guess that you all believe now. If you don't believe this, you believe now. So I want y'all to be fully informed for the games like this week. They do play Nebraska. I, I ain't gonna lie to you, Thomas. Uh I was completely of the mindset that Colorado was supposed to win this game. And then something everybody was like, they're 24 underdogs. It's like, but I was drinking the Kool-Aid so much, I was just like, duh, they're gonna win the game. Like, of course. Right. So it's interesting. So then I was kind of like, okay, maybe I'm a little bit too supposed to be unbiased here. Maybe I'm a little bit too much of a fan. And so it kind of took me back a little bit. But obviously, Dion got the boys believing. Uh, any weaknesses that you th- that you kind of saw in Colorado that you think Nebraska because they play again this week noon Eastern time. Yeah. Where you listeners at uh, against Nebraska, which is a rivalry game. Any on Fox. Any weaknesses you think that Colorado has to get buttoned up or that Nebraska might exploit otherwise? Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, they're, they're a little light in the trenches right now on that offensive and defensive line. Um, I think we can pretty much, you know, cancel out Colorado's offense as being a question mark. I mean, long as Shadur comes to play every week, you see he's got the weapons out there. Um, you know, he can get the ball in their hands. They'll make the plays for him. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I definitely think they got some work to do on the on the defensive line, like Deion said. Um, you know, Nebraska running that 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 Big Ten offense, you know, they're like you said, if, if you know they don't get that those um mistakes corrected, you know, Nebraska will just run the ball on you. You know, I feel like that's kind of where uh TC could have TCU could alter their game plan a little bit. Um, was I feel like they could have kept it on the ground a little bit more than they did. I think they um, pretty much matched Colorado for for pass attempts. I can't, I don't know the exact number of how many attempts TCU's quarterback had, but we know Shador had forty seven. You know, like uh, like Matt said. Um, but yeah, I think they were both in the forties when it came to to pass attempts. Um, but you know, it was clear that that Colorado was was you know a little weaker on the D line. So I think TCU could have um, you know did a little better with that. And so I think Nebraska will see that on film. And and you know try to exploit that you know if if nothing else even if your run game and just completely you know taking over the game if nothing else it takes the ball out of Colorado's offensive you know offenses hands keeps it out of Shadour's hands um, you know that was a a big reason why it was a shootout last Saturday was just because TCU some of them scores they were answering back you know quickly they were driving the ball down the field answering back pretty quick so Colorado's offense was getting right back on the field um, so yeah I think um, you know. 
uh, I, I guess, you know, that, like I said, that's weakness. If, if, if that's what you want to call it, it would be like the defensive line, their run game. We saw they're pretty good, you know, when it, when it comes to passing defense. You know, you got Travis Hunter back there, um, you know, who, yeah, I mean, like you said, man, that's, that's just crazy what he did. I mean, I ain't seen, you know, stuff like that since, like, Pop Warner. I mean, it's even rare. You see it in high school nowadays. Um, you know, it was a little more common back then. I think when we were, like, in elementary and middle school, it was a lot more common to play, like, both players in high school and stuff. But now, even in high school, that's kind of a lost start is, is playing both sides of the ball. But to play yeah, 160, 70-some snaps, however many it is, like, you know, for those who ain't never played football, like, for the average player, that's, like, two, like, that's almost, like, like two games worth of work. Like, I think after, like, the first two or three drives, he had all, like, 60-some snaps. Like, that's a whole game for, for yeah. some players. Um, so, yeah, that, that was nice what he was doing. So, I think, you know, they're, they're, they're secondary. They're pretty um, good back there. Like you were speaking on earlier, they got some depth, you know, even if guys start to get banged up. Um so, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're just going to have to stop the run, uh, you know, keep causing turnovers. You know, we, we saw him force a couple of turnovers against TCU. That helped out a lot. Um, so, yeah, man, long, long as, uh, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of going to be the the um, game plan for, for Colorado each week is, like, if we can just play some kind of defense, you know, offense or, or you know, we can expect them to do their job. So, now that's, that's you know, another thing they kind of got to watch out for in that Nebraska game is like the offense is gonna you know got to come to play because that's a that's a crazy standard you said and to come out and you know put up those kind of numbers in, in your first game yeah um so yeah they 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 definitely got uh you know they definitely got to follow that up um you know I guess my only worry would just be them being a little too high off of that that week one win I mean I'm all for you know Deion clapping back at the reporters and players and all that bringing the receipts um, you know, but like I said, they, they you know, they just got to make sure it's, it's on to the next opponent, just like that. You know, it's a lot, you know, we giving them a lot of fanfare, you know, just, just for, uh, you know, that first we win, it felt, you know, it felt like almost like a, like a playoff game or something, what we we're talking about, but we got to remember, you know, it's just a we won't win. So yeah, I just feel like as long as they don't come in too high, still kind of riding high off the next win, they should be good. But yeah, like I said, to answer your original question, I just feel like the only weakness really they got to look out for is just that run defense or just defense in general well yeah because two things you kind of mentioned there one uh we, it is a noticeable size difference like it's not thought about it's like those tcu guys have been tcu program for probably two yeah. years now and you look at the colorado boys they look they look a little slim even yeah. on that defensive front and i thought about that too it's like and you gotta be able to rush rush, rush that passion you gotta yeah. be able to rush the path especially in the pac 12s which I'm yeah. going to talk about in a second. The quarterbacks in the Pac-12 are no joke. The Pac-12 might have one of the best conferences as far as quarterbacks. So you got to be able to get pressure. And those guys are just a little bit smaller. And obviously, they recruit bigger offensive linemen. So yeah. that's something to watch there. Did want to uh, highlight the white boy safety, Trevor Woods. <laughs> you know, you're like, I don't know. Whenever I saw, obviously, the offense drop down the field, great. And I see him, you know, on the goal line. He jumps and makes that interception. I love the Snoop Dogg. Uh, Clip where I was like, yeah. oh, oh Deion got a white boy wearing 43 players. <laughs> and as yeah. we know, Trevor Woods one of the only guys who returned from that last uh, roster. And so for and you've been hearing a lot about one of the vlogs, and then Trevor gonna make a play. He's always where he's supposed to be. I was listening to Dion in the uh interview for this week, uh the presser, and he was saying he's like he's good at getting guys lined up and he's good at doing his job. 
And yeah. so you see on that play, the tight end thing, he has it. The quarterback doesn't even see him. He comes out of nowhere and makes the routine play. Yeah. It's, it seems like he does that every time. But, yeah, I know they're going to look to try to get that defense fixed up there. Uh, crazy nugget, Morris. That's Chad Morris' son I was out there at quarterback. For TCU? Yeah, so I was wow. crazy because I thought I was like, I know he used to always be watching Deshaun Watson at Clemson whenever Deshaun yeah. was there. And it's like, now you're the spotlight guy. Um, he reminds me a lot of them little Texas quarterbacks. They're real, <laughs> yeah. they're almost like the little white boy at the basketball court. That's actually yeah. smooth. Like he can rush for 30 yards real quick. Like where'd he go? But he can also throw yeah. the ball a little bit. Yeah. So you, you got him, you got the Johnny Manziels. They're all a little different. But, <laughs> but yeah, so y'all more on next week about obviously the Nebraska game. Hopefully we'll get the episode done a little bit earlier next week. Y'all until like right now, we're just going to play by ear. It'll be out every week. Yeah. Even if it's Friday night before the game. Also, <laughs> give you something to listen to. Give you a pregame show. Um, I did want to go ahead and mention while we're talking Pac-12 here because we ain't going to stay here forever. Pac-12 quarterbacks are something serious. Now, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., right? He's at Washington. Yep. Caleb Williams, Shador Sanders, and who is that Utah quarterback? Cam Rising. And he's won the conference two years in a row. Cam Rising, yeah, you got a – I watched that UCLA Coastal game, that late night game on Saturday. They got the true freshman there, Dante Brown, who who came in mid-game. And and lit it up. Um, you got Cam Ward at Washington State, who's who's a, a um, you know, who, who's an NFL prospect. He's a, he's another big arm guy. Yeah, that that Pac-12 is deep. They're deep at court. It's crazy. Their divulge dissolving now, and they actually might have a, they might have a pretty good season this year. I'm thinking about trying to get out there, depending on who plays. Honestly, wherever Jackson State, I mean, got wherever Colorado is at, come the bowl game. I'll be there. But <laughs> but I know the Pac-12 championship game, which is wishful, but uh, is in Nevada at the uh, Raiders Stadium. So it'd be great if they made it there. But Pac-12 is deep at quarterback. And, yeah, so we're going to keep an eye out on there. I think that's all we got there. Let's move. Let's get to the Carolinas, Thomas. Y'all, Ooh. Thomas got this new computer right now rolling. Thomas is full HD. We're going to get on video here soon, y'all, especially with Thomas in full HD now. So shout out yeah. to him away on <laughs> Well, let's talk about these Gamecocks, Thomas. Uh, what were your thoughts on South Carolina losing to UNC? College game day was in the building. They had Charlotte on lock. The game was at Bank of America Stadium. And the University of South Carolina lost with a final score of 31-17 to to the North Carolina Tar Heels. Yeah. Uh, if, I could put it, if I could put it simply, I'd say disappointed but not surprised. Uh, I feel like I, I feel like I've seen this, you know, many times with my Gamecocks. I'm be honest with you, man. It really gave me uh, 2014 vibes. I don't know if you remember. Uh, that's the year after, like Connor Shaw and and, and David Clowney and some of those guys left. So we had, you know, Dylan Thompson or whatever about to take over, and we had Texas A&M that is a home opener, and that's when uh, I think it's, it's I don't know if his last name was Hill. Was it Kenny Hill? Yeah. Quarterback year for A&M. And they came in and uh, and lit us up. We won the same scenario. I think game day was there and all. We had like the prime time game that night. We won opening it up, and and we came on later. So I, I I was just getting real similar vibes with that. It seemed like we were just catching. We're getting so much hype in off season about you know Rattler and you know this you know this is his second year under the offense and you know he just ended last year on such a bang. 
whole team really, you know, just just ended, you know, such a bang. Um, you know, it was just so much hype coming in. And you know, I, you know, USC has gotten better with all the uh, you know, little offseason hype videos and, and and Beamer is getting his celebrity status on with all these little funny videos and making stuff. So it was just so much hype around the team. Um and yes, you know, we just really didn't come out and 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 play up to it. Um I mean, I feel like Drake May, you know, we kind of got what we expected out of him. Um, but, yeah, we just – our offensive line really was, you know, kind of the story of the night. Um, you know, Rattler was, was running for his life most of the night. Still had a pretty decent game. I think he went, like, 30 for 39. I don't know exactly how many yards he had. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, like I said, I feel like the story of the, line, of the night was the offensive line. You know, we just couldn't really buy a lot of time for Spencer. Um, you know, they held down Juice Wells. Um, you know, he didn't have a big night out there receiver. So, you know, it's, it's, it's week one. You don't want to overreact. But at the same time, this college game is different. It's like, you know, the one loss, you know, in, in the college world is, is, is real detrimental. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Beamer said in his press conference, though, you know, he was like, get your shots in now because, you know, the offensive line is going to improve as the season, you know, continues. So. Uh, that's really all you can hope for. Um, you know, it was still some positives to take away from the game. Uh, Xavier Leggett had a, had a pretty good game. Um, you know, he's looking like a real, you know, can can be almost like a wide receiver 1A and 1B when yeah. him and Wells once he, you know, starts to get a little healthy. Um, so, you know, that was a bright spot. Um, but, yeah, you know, just a, a lackluster performance. Um, you know, I was telling Matt before, I still got to go back and, and kind of do my own little film study on to go back and watch every play over again. Um, but yeah, yeah, like I said, just, just a lightless performance. I think we got Furman at home next week. So, you know, that'll be a good kind of, of a, a, a little tune-up game because I think we got Georgia <laughs> the week after. Right. Georgia. So, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's going to be rough. But on the, on the, you know, if you're looking at it as a kind of glass half full, kind of person it'll be a good chance at a rebound you know that'll be like the perfect time to go into Georgia get an upset build your team confidence back up and, and just get back on that national radar um but yeah yeah just to you know kind of uh make a long story short it was, it was definitely um you know a, a underwhelming performance by the Gamecocks to say the least yeah, and just wanted to highlight Thomas was correct. They went 30, uh, Spencer Rattler, 30 for 39, 353 yards, which is pretty nice to do that under that much duress. Xavier Leggett had a huge day, nine receptions, 178 yards. And I think in that wide receiver room, they've been waiting on him to really take that next step. He's a big guy. I think he's like six foot four, 215 or so. So I feel like they've been waiting on him for a long time to kind of take. There's another receiver that went to South Carolina. I can't think of his name. He's a big guy just like that. And it's like, it seemed like they had been waiting for a long time for him to kind of put probably, it. Probably thinking about, is it a recent guy? I think I know. Yeah. Probably uh, or Trey Smith. That's Trey him. Smith? Yeah. Oh, I think he's from, I forgot, one of the lakes in that area. Yeah, but, but he was, yeah, he's from South Carolina, wasn't he? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. He's like yeah. that guy. They've been waiting on him for a long time to just take it. So that's that's one positive note uh, there. Did want to mention, um, at one point in time, watching the South Carolina game, and this is the, the scary thing. I think if you're a Carolina, a homegrown South Carolina talent, and you go play quarterback at the University of South Carolina. So at one point, Spencer Rattler was a quarterback. The carry-on joiner was lined up in the backfield. And Luke Dottie was at wide receiver. Those are three. These ain't just good elite 11 quarterbacks. 
like Sterling used to talk about all the time going to Burns and watching uh Fort Dorchester. Yeah. The, the, I don't know they beat Burns. They put up a great uh competition against them. And the carry on joiner was the quarterback. Like you can go on YouTube right now and type in Elite Eleven and the carry on joiner's out there. Luke yeah. Brady, out here at receiver. What that is the only thing I always say. You're gonna be a top talent coming out of the state of South Carolina, your quarterback in high school. Be careful because South Carolina is one of the unique schools where they will put you out wide. Yeah, quick. Yeah, like, yeah, like other times, you know, some guys might just transfer. It's like, no, and I guess that speaks to these guys are team guys, but they don't hesitate to put you out wide. So I saw that uh, it's like it hit me. I was like, we have three lead eleven quarterbacks on the field right now. Yeah, but I think, you know, that's a good point you make, but it looks like your your boy, uh, the true freshman now, you know, might have a chance to, to change that come next year um, with Sailor, Lenore Sailor. The hometown hero. Yeah, yeah. I've been hearing a lot of good things about him. I think, obviously, you know, and, and so this, really, this next game coming up is like a good moment to, you know, if, you know, we get a big, you know, late in the game, hopefully we can get a, a, a good preview of him, which, you know what? I don't, you know I don't want to make a uh, you know I don't want to want to get us all tracking nothing like that, man. But that just made me think of something like that really could not end well if if let's say we get up big against Furman next week. Sellers comes in and he looks great. Rattler that dealt with a similar situation to that back at Oklahoma where he just came from, where you know he wasn't he wasn't playing too hot. He had a lot of hype coming in. When playing too hot, and he had a true freshman, Kayla Williams, sitting behind him that, you know, that whole fan base was ready to see. And he came over and took over for him in that, in that Cotton Bowl, and, you know, it was kind of, you know, we see where Spencer's ended up from then. So not to say, you know, a same situation would happen where he just completely gets benched, but that's that can mess with your confidence where you come out and, you know, like you just read the stats. He personally didn't have a week one, but, you know, as a team, we really didn't have a good showing. And so, you know, if, if something like that were to happen, um, you know, I don't know that that's something that can kill your confidence as a quarterback. But yeah, like I said, I I need to get off track with that real quick. But yeah, that that, that just came into my head thinking about uh Sellers back there backing them up. Well, Norris Sellers, the hometown hero coming out of Florence who lit up high school football last season. Imagine in South Carolina. Imagine like, okay, he comes in against Furman, plays well, cool. In Georgia, Carolina gets down big, which is a real possibility. I just yeah. don't know how good Georgia's quarterback situation is. So I'll be kind of interesting test. But uh, and then so they might take uh Spencer Rattler out and they put him back and they put Lenoris. I'm gonna call him the hometown hero. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting it into the air. Uh, he's gonna be interesting entering entering the University of South Carolina as the starter as long as he wins starting job next year. An interesting time because that will be the changing of the tide in the uh Oklahoma and Texas coming in. So that's gonna be a he's doing interesting guy to kind of escort them in that. But, yeah, big dude, like I said, if he does anything like he played last season for uh, – what is that school out there? It's the Purple and Gold School. It's one of West Florence. No, no, it is West Florence. They're light blue, as a matter of fact. They're light blue. Yeah, well, yeah I was about to say, West Florence, yeah, light blue. Yeah. If he plays anything like that, then we could be in <laughs> – if they get the weapons, it could be great. Okay, let's keep moving. Uh, we're excited to see more of him next week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, did want to mention, yeah, we'll go to the Clemson Tigers, right? We'll go, to, go ahead to the Clemson Tigers. Y'all, Tom has been lighting Twitter up about this Clemson football game. I've been waiting to have his take on this. Clemson loses the the opener. 
Final score seven to twenty eight. I completely mistook this one. I thought Clemson was gonna this because I don't know if y'all remember a couple years back, DeAndre Hopkins had three touchdowns against Duke in the first quarter. That goes to show you the difference between what Clemson football used to be and what is now. That is crazy to think. Like you say that in the in the Deshaun Watson, sixteen uh, Trevor Lawrence have drawn a blank their era that Clemson would <laughs> here and have the whole preseason to prepare. And would lose the Duke seven to twenty eight. Thomas, what are your thoughts on the game? Man, yeah, I, like you said, man, I've been I've been going a little crazy on Twitter. That 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 uh, you know, I think it was a little extra in there being that my Gamecocks lost. So you know, I was you know, I was taking a little bit of my anger out from the Gamecocks, you know, on the Tigers. But uh, yeah, man, you know, uh, to go back to a point you said where you were like, you know, a, a couple years, I think, what, what would that have been where um, Diop had those three touchdowns? Was that like 2013? Well, it's somewhere between that 20. Yeah, it had to be either 12 or 13, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, going on about 10 years from then. Um, but I think, if anything, not so much that doesn't show the decline of Clemson, but I think it just more shows the how the talent around the country is getting better. Um, you know, teams are recruiting better. Like I said, I think it's just, you know, just evolution, just talent is getting better. Kids are just getting more athletic. Um, you know, obviously, the, the you know, we're seeing the transfer portal help a lot. But I think I saw after the game that Clemson has like like 50-something, four or five stars on the roster. Duke had like two. Um, so, I mean, you know, if we're, you know, going by the numbers, you know, Clemson is still, you know, Talent-wise, you know, head and shoulders above Duke. Uh, like I said, more on paper. You know, if you're if you're going on paper, head and shoulders. You know, if you're going off stars and all that, then they got more talent than Duke. But like I said, I think it's just a testament to to how much talent is is really around the country to where Duke, who's you know not normally thought of as as a football school, um, you know, for them to come out and, and upset one of the, um, you know, one of the better programs in the country is is like I said, it just shows you where where the talent in football is today. Um, but you know, like you said, not to, not to take away from your point, it definitely ain't the the same Clemson we're used to seeing. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, just yeah, that that lack of offense was just surprising to see. I mean, that's that's definitely not the Clemson we're used to. Like you said, having D. Wide and and Trevor Lawrence and all these guys coming from that program, we're used to the the high flying offense. You know, the the receivers making plays, the the dual threat running backs, like you know, like your Wayne Gomez and and uh. Travis Etienne and you know guys who are in the league now, so yeah, that was I think that was the the, the biggest surprise to me um, was just the the lack of offense we got from Clemson. Their defense, you know, held it to, together pretty well for the for the you know main part of the game, um, you know, until the end where Duke kind of started to pull away. So I you know I feel like the defense still had a pretty decent performance, but yeah, man, that offense was just it it, it was hard to watch. I mean they. You know, more than anything, they they had a lot of turnovers just at, at bad times, you know, a couple of turnovers in the red zone and, and things like that. Um, and, you know, not capitalizing off Duke turnovers. Like Duke muffed that punt early in the game, first or second quarter. I can't remember when exactly it was, but I saw that and I'm like, man, yeah, I, I think it might be all downhill from here. I kind of thought Clemson would just take it over from that point. But, yeah, to, to just see him. I think that's the main thing. I think we're just so used to seeing Clemson just it's like when they had the opportunity, they would just take over a game so quick. For sure. For yeah, sure. Like it's, yeah, that that is crazy. Like that offense score, you know, uh, a couple of touchdowns on you after major mistake, it seems like it just takes the life out of a team. But 
it's just we I just never got that vibe from Clemson in that first game. Like it just always seemed like like dude was in it. Um and you know Clemson couldn't really get much going. So I think uh, you know, it's I, I think Clemson definitely got a lot to worry about. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not just saying that just because, you know, it's a week one loss and only put up seven points, but I just think you you take that loss and you kinda look at how Dabo was reacting you know, in his press conference saying, you know, in all his years of coaching, he's never been a part of a game like this. Like, I mean, he knows his team better than us. So maybe, you know, those are the words that will kind of get him motivated, um, you know, for the, for these, uh, for the rest of the season. But I just feel like there's so much going on around there. All the talk is around how Dabo doesn't want to dip, you know, in the transfer portal. And, you know, he's reluctant to hire coach from outside the program. It's just, I feel like it's just so much going on, you know, is around Clemson that's, you know, not directly, talking about you know the product on the field so um yeah I just think they kind of got to you know look in the mirror and just uh you know that was kind of got to regain because you know not to say he lost control of the program or anything but he just kind of got to reset that that standard standard and kind of you know remind those guys um you know who they're following in the footsteps of and, and kind of what the, the standard of Clemson football has become over the years um because yeah what we saw Monday night was, was definitely not you know, what we've been used to seeing out of, out of Clemson these past couple of years. So, um, you know, they got some some uh, some tough games on the schedule this year with, with Florida State, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they got Notre Dame on the schedule this year. Um, but, yeah, you know, like I said, I think this is just a prime example of, of, of how talent is evolving. So, the S, you know, the ACC just in that cupcake conference, like we've seen where Clemson's just going to run the table like normal. Um, so, yeah, man, I think, I think we kind of just as college football fans got, you know, learned a lot, um, you know, from that game Monday night. And it just, you know, it is, is a new, I guess, wrinkle just, you know, and, and kind of something to watch and, and how this, uh, you know, how this season is unfolding. That's just another team to look out for and, and kind of see how they respond to a little adversity after we won. And to your point, you're used to seeing Clemson dominate teams. And then in the off chance, if they have a bad day, you better not give them a turnover. Yeah. They're definitely going to capitalize on that. They have all the top players. But it just is one somebody told me, like I said, uh, one of somebody told me they're like, man, Clemson football is boring. I was like, that's a very good way of putting it. It's not the fireworks of what yeah. it used to be, aired out and just or running back ninety yard or any play. It's just not that anymore. Dabble, I, it's gonna be tough because he's the one who publicly said he doesn't like nil, he doesn't like um, transfer portal, but he's really gonna have to make a decision here, like. Do you adapt or do you expire? Yeah. So something to watch there for the Tigers. Like you, you mentioned it before. They got Florida Atlantic. Um, they got Charleston Southern this week, and then they got Florida Atlantic next week. So the week Carolina plays Georgia, they got uh, Florida Atlantic. But then they got their own battle. At least it's in the Valley. They got Florida State, and from what we saw, Florida State, Florida State looks pretty nice. So we're gonna yep. keep them. Oh, they're, they're actually they're next. I wish we had like a little ticker. We need to we need to get some right <laughs> so we can go through the topics like that. <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna mention Florida State first of all. First, did you expect that? Did you not expect that? What were your thoughts on uh, Florida State LSU? Well, hold on, right. before you say that, let me make sure I go ahead and give everybody the final score. So used to doing color commentary. I'd be thinking I'm that <laughs> play by play, buddy. Final score was 45-24. Florida State getting the win. I think that game was in Tampa, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, man, I was uh more, you know, I, I think from what we knew about Florida State, you know, uh coming off of last season, 
um, you know, with the, you know some of the transfers they got in the portal and just you know all the stuff through the offseason. So like what we knew about Florida State, I kind of expected that from them. I just I I would I didn't expect what I saw from LSU. Um, and you know what's crazy? I, the the same conversation we were just having about Clemson, I feel like can be had about LSU. You know, at this at this point in time, I feel like even though they just made that big time high with Brian Kelly. I just feel like they kind of lost that that LSU, you know, that LSU identity that we're known for, um, or that they're known for. Excuse me, not we. Um, but yeah, you know, you don't, you know, it's 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 you know, used to seeing a, the fast physical defense, and you know, LSU's known for being one of those schools. You got the you know the DBU moniker, so you're used to seeing that you know in your face press man defense all game from the cornerbacks. Um, and you know, we're used to them having big playmakers that receiver on offense. Um, so yeah, man, it was just yeah, I wasn't expecting to see that that lackluster performance from LSU. Um, you know, I don't really know if I want to say their performance was lackluster or just you know Florida State just just played that well. Um, I mean, you know, they were just more physical than them, executed better than them. Uh, their you know their probably biggest transfer um, in the offseason was Keon Coleman out there, receiver from Michigan State, who had three touchdowns, so he was you know the the star of the game. Was he that at Michigan State? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was definitely that good. It's just a quarterback play wasn't as good at Michigan State as it is now at Florida State with with Jordan Travis. And so honestly, that's why a lot of people felt like he left Michigan State was through the spring. They were having like a, I can't remember if it was a quarterback competition in the spring or whatever. But they were just you know the the quarterback situation wasn't set. They weren't sure about the quarterback. Um, and so I think with this being his, I'm pretty sure this is his. Uh, Last year, you know, before he he entered the league, you know, I'm sure he just wanted kind of to, to get his best shot to, you know, put up the best numbers. Um, and so he, you know, transferred out to Florida State. Um, and you know, they already had uh one of the you know better receivers in the country out there with Johnny Wilson, who you know everybody knows for being that that big guy, six seven out there. Um, so yeah, like I said, Florida State, I I, I wouldn't, I guess I was kind of, you know, a little bit surprised. I didn't think they'd be, you know, that prolific on offense. I just wasn't expecting to see three touchdowns out of uh, out of Keon Coleman. But I mean, like I said, just with all the hype they had coming in, I feel like that's kind of the performance you expect. Um, but yeah, so I I wasn't too much surprised with Florida State. It was more LSU that that kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. Um, you know, after that big year they had last year, I thought they would come out perform a little bit better than that. Yeah, I mean, the parts of this game, you looked at it, you're like, wait, which is the SEC team here? Right. It's crazy just to get some stats. Though Thomas was saying, Keon Coleman, nine receptions, 122 yards, three touchdowns. Johnny Wilson has seven receptions for 104 yards. Yeah, one thing, Jaheim Bell from South Carolina played in this game. Definitely wanted to mention that. When you were watching this Florida State game, it wasn't exactly Colorado, but it was, oh, the Syracuse transfer. Interesting. The South Carolina between but I think he had two touchdowns. It's like, oh, South Carolina transfer. Boy, could have used him. Yeah. And then you have um obviously they got from Michigan State. It's just in and something in my head. I think I was talking to somebody earlier about Clemson, Florida State. And I was like, you know, Florida State got those transfers. I didn't know exactly who they were. I think I remember yeah. Jaheim Bell, but I didn't remember the rest of them. But what kind of speaks back to the Clemson thing is like if you're not adapting to what's going on right now, you're gonna get beat. But because the yeah. thing that these guys are coming played ready to play right now, who've been in weightlifting programs, understand offenses or understand enough and have picked a new location. It's a big day for the Florida for Florida State, the Seminoles. Um, 
looking like the leader in Atlantic for the first time in a long time. I feel like almost since Jameis Winston left, it's like you look at ACC Atlantic and it's like, look, it, it might run through Tallahassee. Now, granted, for Clemson, the best thing for them is they got two weeks to get their offense kind of on track. Yeah. Uh, and they got that game at home. Because I'll tell you right now, if that game was in Tallahassee, it'd be a problem. One yeah. thing also to consider on the back end of that, I don't, I don't know if you remember, but I know I remember because I was at the fair with a whole bunch of South Carolina fans when Jameis Winston came to town. Well, Sammy Watkins was a tiger at that time still. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Jameis came in there with that headphones, so boastful. We're going to leave without a victory, all of that. <laughs> It, they, I think the score must be 20 to nothing at the half. That was a crazy game. So Florida State has something like pull from like we've done this before. And uh, so that's going to be interesting to see. But yeah, just the first time in a long time. And just like I said, to think that the Clemson had all offseason to prepare for this game. You know, you lay an egg midway through the season. You blame a lot of things on it. And I guess at times they were able to move the ball kind of sort of. It was just the fact that the weird turnovers and exchanges multiple yeah. times. And that's really going to cost you. So, and I think on, on top of that too, Eric Thomas had just done the video at Clemson. Why not us? <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I was even thinking like, oh, I need to get a ticket to uh, Clemson to go when they play at Florida State. So just wasn't expecting them to lose to Duke. Something about Duke and these white boys that can run though. Because <laughs> I remember whenever uh, Daniel Jones, you see in the NFL, yeah. he break out an 80 yard run and trip 10 yards late, like 10 yards for the end zone. Yeah. And now you had this guy breaking off on the long run. So something about Duke and them tall white boy quarterbacks that can really take off and run the ball. So something to watch there. I'm going to keep it moving here. Let's see what's next on the ticker. The Buckeyes. Oh, boy. Good. <laughs> oh, boy. Let me tell you all something. For Michigan to potentially have a really good first-round quarterback, uh, this is not good for Ohio State. I said it before, and, you know, you actually see a lot of people kind of start, Ohio State fans who kind of been spoiled a little bit, you kind of start to see them put some respect on C.J. Stroud's name because it's like you don't really understand what you had there, a consistent yeah. guy that you know was one of the best. And I just think just it's kind of like suffering from that same thing Clemson is. We and me and Tom named them last week. We won't name them again. But they're just so used to having dominant quarterback play. And then so it's like you beat you beat every team in the Big Ten besides like maybe Penn State and uh, Michigan, you beat every other team in the Big Ten like they're in the Florida Atlantic. Yep. So now some would say, hey, you beat Indiana on the road, 20, I think score was 23, if I'm not mistaken, 23-3, and opener, you're like, okay, that's good. It's like, no, not good enough. Quarterback play was an issue. Tom, did you tune into that game? Yeah, yeah. I was actually, uh, I was at work, you know, working my game, and, and I was the other – Game up on the TV, so yeah, that was probably the outside of the Colorado game and some of the noon games. That was probably the game I, I saw the most of live on Saturday. Okay, so what's your unbiased? Because you know mine is gonna be very biased. Uh, what is your unbiased opinion on what you saw in that game? Nah, I think uh, I mean you're right. You know, you're right on on, on both fronts of of like you know Ohio State fan base has kind of gotten a little spoiled with just that high level of quarterback play. Um, to where they're not satisfied at all, which you know, a, a twenty-three to three victory against a big, you know, against a conference opponent, um, which you know, I think people kind of forgetting like this week one, and you know, they jumping right into conference play. It's not like they had a you know a little tune-up game before that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just yeah, it it was just different. Just you you kind of that really put it in perspective of how much a difference a high-level quarterback 
makes for your not just for your offense but for your whole team. Um, it just like it just always seemed like Indiana was in the game. They were just always hanging around. No real big explosive plays on offense. Um, you know, yeah, it just it, it just wasn't the prettiest offensive performance to to say the least. Um, I mean, I mean, well, I think Marvin Harrison and and Emeka Buka finished with a combined like five catches, five or six catches, I want to say. Um, so yeah, it's just I don't know if it's Ryan Day still maybe trying to kind of experiment, you know, with his quarterbacks within the offense. It, it just didn't seem like they had real intent to to get their playmakers the ball. I mean, I know Marvin Harrison went down with a, with a little injury at some point during that game, a little shoulder injury, but I think he came back. But, yeah, it's just like, I mean, you go back to the last time we saw him against Georgia and, and you know, Marvin Harrison was having a huge game until he got knocked out. And Georgia had, a you know, probably the best secondary in the country last year. Yeah. defense in the country last year, and it's like, you know, y'all were able to find ways to to get him involved against the best defense in the country with NFL caliber prospects all over the field. But it's like, seems like Indiana, you know, is struggling to get, you know, your guy arguably the two best receiver in the country, and we can't get him the ball. So, yeah, it was just it it was just odd, you know, like you said, it's it's kind of weird. You're trying to not overreact because, like you said, like you want twenty three to three. I mean, that's the three scores, and your defense almost pitch a shutout. So it's like you don't want to overreact too much. But, yeah, when you just, you know, like I said, I'll just say when that standard is set so high, you know, that's what the, what the fans expect. And so just to not, you know, see that offense playing to, to that caliber, knowing they got all that talent over there, it was just, it was just a little odd to see. Um, you know, you got to wonder if um, I, I get the quarterbacks confused. Was it was it McCord that ended up coming in coming in getting Calvin Jordan? McCord was a starter, and Devin Brown came in later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Devin Brown took over. So it's like, you know, you wonder if he's just not all the way settled in yet. Has all his confidence there, or is it the play calling? You know. Um, so I mean, I guess if I was a Ohio State fan, I, I wouldn't overreact. You know, it's a long season, um, but you know, you, you 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 know, you wouldn't be wrong to to kind of worry and and you know. Just be a little bit worried about what y'all saw Saturday. So yeah, um, yeah, to put it in short mind by being like I said, it, it was a little odd. Um, um, but I mean, I mean, hey, y'all came out with the win. I just, I just feel like y'all got a lot to learn from. It was good to get out of there with a win and still have, you know, be able to go back and look at the film and and, and take a lot away from it. Yeah, no, for sure. Because you just look at this stat line. Like I think our leading rusher was. The transfer trained them from um, Arizona State a couple years back. I think they really, really bought him in to be a return guy. Mm-hmm. He had 57 yards rushing. Travion Henderson, 47 yards. And they had a little burst plays, but just nothing crazy. Maya Williams had two touchdowns, but he only had 25 yards rushing. Case over. I'll tell you what, if you're struggling as a quarterback, find your tight end. Case yep. over almost had a touchdown. I mean, almost had 100 yards. He had five receptions for 98 yards. But yeah, you just look at Julian filming 58 yards, Marvin Harrison 18 yards. You you go from Marvin Harrison catching three touchdowns in the Rose Bowl as his in his not debut, but pretty much like a debut in the Rose Bowl in his freshman year, to feel, a lot of people feel like he should have won the Plano Cough, Plano Cough Award winner last year. And you're like, okay, well, he didn't win the last year. He for sure is gonna win this year. In the first game, he has 18 yards. And then the thing on top of that is it's not like another receiver went crazy. Yep. So that therefore it's like, okay, yeah, they would triple guard him. No, it just they weren't able to get the ball to him. That's seriously concerning, not only for right now, but the thing is Ohio State recruits a certain caliber receiver. 
Yep. So you can't have it. You're not able to get the ball to them, and they don't see anybody in the future here that's going to be able to. So you don't see. Now, I guess that is one thing about the transfer portal. If you don't feel like you have your guy, maybe you do have uh, uh, Notre Dame, we're going to get Sam Hartman. So maybe yeah. there's a situation like that where you're like, okay, nobody's standing out. We have to feed these receivers a, a good quarterback, so therefore they'll want to continue to come here. Hopefully there's just some, you know, early season jitters. These guys haven't had many meaningful snaps since they've been at Ohio State. But it just – it don't look like CJ. It don't look like Braxton. It don't look like Torrell Fryer. And, I, you know, as you start saying some of these names, some of these dudes probably so young, I don't even remember these guys. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't dare say Troy Smith. I wouldn't dare. But <laughs> they're probably – some of them are probably looking at um, – that the Florida Gators documentary, like Troy Smith, like because I remember yeah. the big hit where um, was that Almond Black went over there and nailed. Was that Almond Black that went over there and nailed? That uh, major right. That was major right. That was major right. I know it's one of them, but yeah. So Ohio State had to get it rolling here, and Penn State feeling they got a chance, a chance this year. So okay, you know Michigan might be a little bit there, but Ohio State we felt like we got them, and I mean Ohio State they got a couple weak opponents before they got Notre Dame on the twenty third. And so, just going to kind of be interesting to watch. Uh, is it, uh, where is that at? Is it at Ohio State? Or at, I think it's at Notre Dame, isn't it? It is at Notre Dame because I think – Yeah, that's going to be tough. Yeah, Notre, Notre Dame for sure will be trying to get their win back after last season. And uh, remember, the Notre Dame head coach played football at Ohio State, was Ohio State coach for a while, as a coach at Ohio State for a while too. So, got to see what Buckeye is going to do. Hopefully, we can get it together. But like I said, for Pace over – this might be his time to shine. And those running backs, the Dolphins line can get a push. This is their time to shine. It's so funny, though, for the longest Ohio State's been trying to get this defense fixed. And it's like, when your offense is not playing well at Ohio State, people don't even care about the defense. It's like a great yeah. center. Yeah. Oh, that center did an outstanding job on his blocks. Well, if he made his blocks, there were no bad snaps. He did. <laughs> so, plenty to watch for there. Let's see what else we got here. Big one this week. We're almost done, folks. For this week, but would cannot not mention this. Texas versus Alabama in Bryant Denny. Stars will be out. Normally I'm trying to think the stars on the Alabama offense. This is a weird time in college football. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't just have one. I think Kool-Aid is he at Alabama right now. Yeah, but he's on defense. Uh, the biggest name on that offense is, is Milrose. He just became named the starter a couple, yeah. of, couple of days ago. So Alabama versus Texas. I guess I should just ask you, what's your prediction? Who you got? Uh, I got I got Bama. I think um, you know, yeah. This this you know, I'll just say that with a hundred percent confidence. I mean, you know, we still aren't even a hundred percent on on Mill. I don't want to say we like I'm a Bama fan, but just you know, fan in general. You know, still aren't 100% on Milro. Um, and you know what he can do. I mean, obviously, we know what he can do with his legs, but, you know, in, in, in big time games like this, you know, teams are good enough to where they'll take away that threat of your legs and just sit back and, and make you pick them apart and say, you know, for Alabama to beat us, they're going to have to beat us with Milro, you know, throwing for, you know, having 30, 40 some attempts, throwing for, you know, two, 300 yards. So, um, you know, still a little on the fence about that. I feel like that's where they could run into some trouble. Um, you know, as if they don't have too uh, too hot of a start on offense, you know, trying to de decide do we stick with Milrow or, you know, go to one of these other quarterbacks who he's battling with. 
Um, but, you know, I, I just think, uh, you know, talent will take over for Bama at the end of the day. Now, Texas does. They, they got a dangerous offense. Um, so, you know, Bama's defense will get tested. I think this week we'll really find out if they kind of return to that old, you know, standard of, of Alabama defense that they kind of been lacking a little bit these past few years. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I think Saban will have them ready. You know, it helps that they're at home this year. Um, I mean, we saw how close Texas cut it with them last year when they had them last year in Texas. That, you know, shows you what having a quarterback like Bryce Young could do, um, you know, at the end of the game. So, uh, you know, I think it'll be a, a similar type game. So that's why I say I, I feel like it's, this this will be a big game for Milrow. Um, I feel like this game will kind of not make or break a season, but I feel like this is a game that will really set the tone for the rest of the season for him and, and just the Alabama offense in general. Um, you know, if he can come out and, and have a good showing against Texas defense, that'll just, you know, give the whole team confidence. And, you know, we can finally know, all right, we got our guy. You know, he's really about all the hype back there. We can just go from there. Um, but, you know, they come out and struggle at home. You know, Texas definitely got the, the, the quarterback and the offense and the playmakers on that offense to, to you know, take control of that game pretty quick. Um, so, yeah. I think I got a – yeah, I, I think I'm wrong with Bama in that. I think them being at home is, is going to be a big uh, – it's going to play a big part in that. It's going to be exciting. It's definitely – I think for Texas, if Quinn Ewers – that's going to be hard to do two years in a row, slide up out of them like that. You know, Nick Saban probably – the guys that are man Ross, he's like, y'all remember what he did to y'all last year, right? Y'all looking crazy. And you're lucky he got hurt. Otherwise, he would have right. yeah, uh, win. I think that if for Texas, high-scoring matchup favors them. Because Jalen Milrow, as exciting as he is, I just don't know if 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 we get plus thirty points, I don't know if he's built right. like that for them to be able to take that win like that. So I want to go, uh, gotta go Alabama, but would be we just want, but I, I know for a fact, I feel like if Texas scores thirty points or more, I feel like they'll get the win. So that's yeah. plenty exciting, uh, almost like a new little rivalry there to an extent, especially with Steve Starkeesian. Yeah, these are Keegan coming from Alabama, so definitely excited to watch that one. I think that's 7 p.m. 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. Yeah, I think it's 7. Pretty sure it's 7. Yeah, so very excited for that one. Last year, that game caught people by shock, and you hear a lot of commentators saying, and then this year, there's no Bryce Young to bail you out. Yeah, so, you know, Bryce Young, you just feel like that that's your guy, and yeah. Bryce Young, you, you trust him like you used to trust uh, Brady or Manning in the fourth quarter, so none of that this year. Um, Weird, like I said, weird time of college football where Alabama doesn't have a guy. Even back in the day, they had a Greg Malcroy. Yeah, Greg Malcroy, who might not be the guy, but he's the guy at Alabama, good yeah. enough to get him done. Just don't have that uh, right now. And last, I just want to mention this real quick. Today's been mostly uh, college football, but what do you think of Nick Bosa's deal? Uh, I mean, I think it was kind of, you know, I think we expected it that to happen. Especially, I think he's been holding out uh, yep. this yep. whole time. So, yeah, you know, it's it's good to get him back right before you start the season this weekend. Um, you know, just a, a, another defensive player setting the market. Um, you know, that money is getting crazy in the NFL. So, uh, I mean, yeah, him, you know, becoming the highest defensive pay player ever, you know, more than likely somebody next year or the year after will, you know, get a bigger contract than that. So, uh, you just see these guys, you know, they're they cashing out these days. Um, so, and you just, know. And just to be clear, the deal was five years, uh, $170 million, including $122.5 million guarantees. Yeah, yeah. And that's at your edge rush spot. So, 
Yeah, man, that's a that's a yeah, that's a big time deal. I think San Francisco. I saw a tweet earlier where like San Francisco has like five or six of some of the highest paid guys in the, in the league. So you can tell they're definitely in that. You know, we're trying to win now window. Um, just you know, with all the moves they've been making recently, with you know, you know Trey Lance and and all that going on. Um, so yeah, definitely look for the you know for the Forty ers to to be making a push. This year, I say, um, you know, like I said, they got Bosa back. He was kind of like their missing piece, just waiting to get that that contract done. So, um, you know, I think that's good for their defense. They got arguably the the best defense in the league coming into this year. So, yeah, that's big for them. And Burrow, I think they're thinking Burrow's going to get paid here by the end of this week. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, Bosa, the Bosa. Jefferson, oh, my bad, not because you all. I was say Jefferson's up for his contract, too. They're talking about he might get paid by the end of this week. I'll never forget. I was talking to my little cousins, and you know how we used to talk about Oda, OBJ, or Andy Moss. That's how they think of Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And that day, the gritty has helped him a lot. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, obviously, he's just a dynamic player. But yeah, a lot of guys about to get paid, but I was just mentioning, oh, so yeah, so Jefferson, probably going to pick up the phone and call uh, Burrow, like, you got it. Then he pick up <laughs> posts, like, we got it. It's yeah. so funny, the uh, little clips you see on Twitter with Bosa. And it's like, uh, they'll be like, he don't even hide it anymore. And then the black guy will be like, hey, Bosa, picture won't like right by him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was about to say, ever since they came out, they were, you know, they were Trump supporters and all that. Yeah, they've been letting them jokes fly. No, it's hilarious to see. But yeah, yo, that's all we got for this week. Tom, you got anything else? No, nah, man, that's it for me. It was a, yeah, I, I was about to say, I was ready to do this when following that Colorado game. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got it done. I think it was a good one. Absolutely. And uh, like I said, y'all, we will be following Colorado heavily throughout the year. One thing, I, even if we can barely get an episode in, we will talk about the buffs. Right. I will watch the post-game interview. I will watch <laughs> the interview heading into the week. And I did want to mention, by the way, did want to mention that uh, as far as the buffs, thought it was very interesting that um, their offensive coordinator right now took the job from, he was the Kent State coach. And he decided to take the job to go be the coordinator under Dion. But you see how that decision probably has paid him dividends. A lot of guys probably be like, why would you leave being the head coach? It's like, look at the talent Shador has. Look at the receivers they will have access to. And his name, you know how it goes. You have a great uh, year's offensive coordinator. What's the guy from LSU a couple years back? Yeah. Uh, Joe Brady. Joe Brady. Next thing you know, the, the league is calling. If you got yeah. NFL aspirations. You want yep. to see college, Brian, you know, Brian Hartline, which is now, he was just the wide receivers coach, I think, and the recruiting coordinator. But uh, the, the, his phone call is, uh, his phone line is ringing. You go to that, that institution and you can score some points. People, Cliff Klingberg, I think that's another one, right? Because he was yep. at a and yeah, he was, yeah, he was a and uh, was he the head coach then or the, the coordinator? I think he was the head coach, wasn't he? Oh, actually, he was the head coach. Where was, so somebody was at Texas Tech. Or maybe he. Uh, yeah. What? Wait. Um. Boy, I think it was both. I think Clint, I think Kingsbury was at Texas Tech and um and right. I think he was. Remember, because Kevin Sumlin was the head coach. Sumlin was. Yeah. Some. Yeah. 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 A and M. So he was the offensive yeah, coordinator. Right. I think he might from there have gotten the job as the head coach of Texas Tech. Yeah, because he was yeah. on my homes at Tech. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but yeah, hey, like I said, if you can score some points, and I'm expecting a lot of points. I just look, pray for no injuries. Because yeah. I really, I'm really rocking with his buff team. I had to go ahead and get some gear here. 
uh try to get you try to catch a game like come on like go bust yeah, yeah. so that's how we do right. so, hey one week i'm gonna have their um their fight song be the ex this man about to turn into a full blown Colorado podcast. Absolutely. Hey, we coming. We coming. <laughs> all right, Thomas. Hey, y'all. Appreciate y'all for listening. Stay tapped in with us all year. Uh, should be an exciting year. Football is always cool at the end of the year to look back or at the end of the season. Like, not the season, but the season of the podcast. And be like, oh, you can like, kind of document each game. So that's all we got for y'all this week. Appreciate y'all for listening. Appreciate you for coming on, Thomas. Till next time. Peace.